It's Monday, January 31st, and you are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. And since last week, since last Monday, L. Washington has officially been added to the uh, Notre Dame assistant coaching group, but they lost another one. They just can't get ahead of the game. <laughs> they just can't get ahead of the game. John McNulty, good for John McNulty. Unfortunately, O'Malley, we, one of the great interviews uh, that we finally were able to get. We had yeah. one and done, one and done with John McNulty. He is the new offensive coordinator uh, at Boston College for Phil Dracovic. It'll be interesting because he will have an opportunity to coach against Notre Dame as the offensive coordinator in, in the upcoming season. But still waiting on a defensive coordinator, uh, running back coach as well, now a tight ends coach. Uh, just your thoughts, guys, on what has transpired with the coaching in the last week. I mean, it's I don't know. We're we're beyond the oh, everyone's back. Marcus Freeman era social media post (laughs) of December um, that all feels a little bit hollow at this point. I mean, you lose, I mean, this is, this is a full on staff change now. Um, Certainly on offense. Yeah. Reese by himself, um, new O-line coach, new tight ends coach, new running backs coach, new receivers coach. Um, So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a total staff change now. It's uh, a, if you gave us, an option of like, all right, you can retain three coaches. Uh, we would have said Reese Bayless. Uh, and I, I guess Freeman, if you want to be technical about it, but like, but then everybody else changed. So that's, um, that's a unnerving is too strong of a word, but it is a challenge that I think Reese and Freeman kind of like, didn't need to have to take on, uh, for young new coaches in their, in their roles. Yeah, it's a challenge for Freeman as a head coach. Um, he's kind of a pretty – it's still a decent setup for him as the main defensive mind. He'll bring in the defensive coordinator, theoretically, that he wants still. A defensive line coach he wanted. A linebacker's coach he wants, and he's obviously, a you know, can help there. And he keeps his two secondary coaches. Reese is a whole new everything. Um, so they will have – yeah, I mean, they have seven different coaches, eight di- coaching changes when you consider it. I mean, Freeman's weird, kind of hard yeah. to quantify. But, the Freeman. I mean, what, how often did Brian Kelly say, like, the role of the head coach is to coach the coaches? Well, like, yeah. Free- Freeman has to, like, learn his own stuff. So I don't, I don't know how much time he has to coach the coaches in addition to being the lead recruiter on every prospect they're on. Well, well this it- is, I'm sorry. This is why I now really want to double down on the veteran coaches coming in helps a little bit. He doesn't have to co- help too uh, too much with the offensive line. He's not going to have to help too much with the defensive coordinator if he brings in Al Golden, although, of course, it's a system, a confluence of systems. I, I do think it's important that he has some veteran coaches in here now coming in. I can't yeah. imagine what it would be like if it was a full-on let's go young and change the game type thing. They're not doing that, of course. Yeah, and, and three of the guys that that you know that are in the running here, Al Golden with a, with experience as a head coach. Chris Ash is another candidate, experience as a head coach. Uh, the Tim Brewster name has been thrown out there for the 30th straight year at Notre Dame since I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I literally can go back to the Holtz days when Tim Brewster was a, in his late 20s and early 30s. And there was talk about there was a push for Tim Brewster to uh, to to come to Notre Dame at at that point. Um, but you know, to your point, O'Malley, you know, there's three guys I just mentioned there with head coaching experience, and 
And I, you know, we'll see what happens at, at running back. Uh, Dylan McCullough, the, the former uh, Miami of Ohio running back coach, he was with the Chiefs as a, I'm sorry, he was a former player at Miami of Ohio. He was with the Chiefs as a running back coach, and he is now at Indiana University. So, and he's an associate head coach. So, I mean, they have they have some veteran guys there that that, that they're looking at. Uh, Joe Rossi is a name that's gathered a little bit of momentum for what he's done at Minnesota, and he's done a good job. Uh, but we still wait. And El Golden is now going to participate in the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. I really don't know. <laughs> I, I know I'm in the minority here. I really don't know why everybody is so excited that that a defensive coordinator coordinator hasn't been named yet but i get it it time is going by now we're now a month since the bowl game and nordim still doesn't have a defensive coordinator you mean excited in a bad way right like yeah getting excited getting okay. worked up i guess is, yes. is, is what i'm saying and I, and I understand that you want you want everything in place so you feel like you can you know, be cohesive and moving forward i just don't think that in the grand scheme of things even with the recruiting weekend that they had, I don't think 16 and 17 year old kids are coming in saying, where's the defensive coordinator. I need to meet the defensive coordinator today. I think in those settings you have, especially now with all the analysts and, and, uh, and grad assistants that you have a, a recruit walks into that setting and there are coaches all over the place. You're not differentiating between, okay, that's the coordinator. That's a, I think it's a little overwhelming for a recruit coming in especially at that age. And I don't think that there's a great demand to know who the defensive coordinator is, but I get it. You want resolution to this. And it's, uh, you know, like I say, one day you're, one day you're down to get needing two more coaches and one more coach. And now you're back up, you're back up to three. Well, it's the defensive coordinator. I think where it, why it's not uh, as urgent as maybe it would appear on a message board. It's like, these recruits already know what system they're running. They're running Marcus Freeman's defense next year. It's just a matter of who's calling the plays. So if if, it, if we were in a different scenario, if this was a year ago and Brian Kelly had to replace Clark Lee and he missed on Marcus Freeman and the right. recruiting weekend, that, that would be more severe than this. Um, but there is no doubt this is a this is a big challenge for Freeman uh, and Reese to, to get the staff right. Well, and who I mean, Marcus Freeman is the point man for the defense now. So I, right. I really just don't see the 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 great concern at this point. Uh, and then, but of course, when you know it, L. Golden will not be available at least for a couple more weeks. It does not but hurt that the defensive coordinator possibly is coaching the Super Bowl. That is well, that's that is true. Good. No, that's very true. He's not the coordinator there, but that's you know I think there's right. there, there's right, some right, truth right. to that. You know, uh, and Pete, you guys both make a good point. I mean, Marcus Freeman's the person they are signing on for for the next five years because I got news for you. The guy they hire, defensive coordinator, will not be there when they graduate. Well, that's not a whole lot of recruiting pitches like that when they talk to recruiting reporters and analysts (laughs) and folks on the phone, but that's exactly what the case is. You You are signing on for Notre Dame one, Marcus Freeman two, and nobody else three. Yeah. The, well, so um, who else? The, the, well, yeah. The he last the years. last coordinator that they've had beyond three years is Van Gorder. Or wait, no, he was no, 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 no. he was in yeah. his he, he was in his third year. Diaco yes. was four. Diaco made four. Yeah, so it'd be it'd be be Diaco. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's just the nature of it, man. I mean, imagine if. How I you know, I don't I, I don't want to find out how Michigan fans are reacting to their situation with their head coach, but 
I mean, you want to talk about unsettled. That is extremely unsettled. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I, I, it's just, th this whole thing is another reminder. It's different that the Dell Alexander Jeff Quinn story is different than the Lance Taylor, John right. McNulty story, right? Like if you're, if you're losing position coaches who become coordinators at, at good programs, um, you know, I think we hold Jeff Hefley in high regard on this podcast. Like that's a head coach you'd want to work for in a leadership position. Scott Satterfield, I think is a good coach, but you know, it's kind of in a Rocky He's Scott good. with Louisville right now, but it's, it's not like Notre Dame is losing these, these coaches to go take jobs at Auburn at the moment. Um, you know, where it's just a huge mess. So it's, I think at that point, if you're, if you're Freeman and Reese, you just be like, well, this, this college football in 2022, and it has been for the last 10 to 15 years, you lose coaches all the time and you just, you got to go find the next one. Then you lose a coach at UMass is what you're saying. A coordinator. Yes. That would be an example of a coach going somewhere that maybe they had to go, or I can think of a few other examples. I know you can't. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, Taylor offensive coordinator, although I don't know how much actual play calling responsibility he will have uh, under Satterfield. Um, you Probably know, good make, for your first offense, real offensive coordinator spot, right? They don't, you yeah, no, well, yeah, no doubt about it. A pretty, uh, a, an offense that is capable of being pretty dynamic too. So yeah, great for him. I didn't know that McNulty was under consideration for a coordinator's job, but fantastic for him. And, you know, Elston. So the three guys that left that you didn't want to leave Taylor McNulty, Elston, two of them are getting coordinators jobs and Elston, after 12 years left Notre Dame to return to his alma mater. So uh, to your point, Samson, I think that there's, there's validity to that statement. That it's not like these guys are just haphazardly leaving. They're going for, at least in two cases, a coordinator's job. And um, Elston, you know, I think, and I think McNulty felt, I may be stepping over a question in segment two, but I think McNulty felt like his opinion offensively maybe wasn't uh, being heeded as much as he would like. And now he, you know, has a great opportunity to, to run his own offense. Better one and done than the other one and done. We could be talking about Tim. As far as. Okay. If McNulty's one and done compared to Blake Wesley, that's fine. <laughs> we'll tell yeah, we'll talk about. Hey, I, uh... I really like coach McNulty. Uh, I wish he'd would have stayed. And uh, he made a good point though. <laughs> Well, the hard stuff starts after next year because he's had Mike. I think Pete Samson yeah. made the point for him. He's had Michael Mayer for three years. So the tough coaching yeah. in the great year comes starting next year. All right, we'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Burning up the board, segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Martin Evenflo. Tommy Reese, Mike Mickens, Chris O'Leary are now the lone holdovers from the 2021 staff. Are you concerned about the cohesion going into the spring? Cohesion, I'm not concerned about. Uh... I think a lack of prior knowledge, like, which is different than cohesion. I think there's just a lot of people that are going to have to get up to speed on a lot of things. Like how long did it take Brian Kelly to understand how to recruit at Notre Dame? How long does it take to establish new relationships and recruiting territories? Like that's, 
there are definitely some challenges to it, but I cohe- cohesion is, is not my concern. I think it's just a, the lack of institutional knowledge that's going to have to get brought up really quickly. That's probably my bigger, like, mm, we'll see how this goes. There's some pretty big recruiting positions to open. I mean, they've filled it with wide receiver, of course, and I think Stucky will can shine there and, and certainly be better than his predecessors. And we've talked about running backs, coach. You've got to be up to speed on that right away. I mean, you need to be a heck of a recruiter coming in at running backs coach for Notre Dame. And to be fair, the running backs coach right now has a harder job than Lance Taylor did because he doesn't have Kyron Williams. I like their talent. I'd like it more if they had the best running back in the last 30 years at, at Notre Dame too, right? Like no matter how much we like those guys, Kyron Williams is great. Um, yeah. I don't know about cohesion in the spring. I think I worry more about first-year adjustments under a new head coach when they play at Ohio State against Clemson and at USC, right? That's kind of one of those. Yeah, I, I, I'm less behind the scenes and more like between the lines for year one. What could be, what could be an issue? But it it doesn't have to be. But look, there there's some there's some heavy hitter coaches on this uh, schedule, right? Yeah, and you know there. I mean, I, I don't think there's any concern about the spring. What what's the worst that can happen during the spring? <laughs> they have a bad practice. I mean. Uh, it's well, you can have a pandemic that shuts down sports. Well, so that would yeah, that, <laughs> that would do it. What are the odds of that? Um, I, I think you both make good points. I, you know, I mean, you talk about not having a great knowledge of the way Notre Dame functions. Even your head coach has only been there a year, so he ha- he has a lot to learn about Notre Dame, especially as leading it as the head coach. Uh, and so now the, the veteran, I mean, right now, the veteran presence is Mike Mickens, uh, L Washington, you know, Tommy Reese, because he went to school here and has now been coordinator for a few years. It, it, that's, you know, these are all things that uh, come this fall that you, you have some concerns about, but they got to learn each other. They got to learn how to function together. The players have to learn how they're going to be coached. The coach has to learn how the players can be coached at Notre Dame. So it's a transition, but I, I think that staffs all over the country have to deal with this. This is, this is the nature of the game in 2022 and we'll continue, continue down that road. All right. Dave Beasley, what position battles are you looking forward to this spring? Everyone that has a new coach. I mean, pretty much I, obviously receivers is, you know, we don't even know how many people are going to be manning the spots, let alone, um, exactly how, who's going to emerge and, and moving forward. But, uh, you know, I think every one of those uh, receiver, I think in particular, um, but it will be, it will be interesting to once again, see Harry, he coaching the offensive line. Uh, I think we know um, that that offensive line is pretty much all in on that selection. I don't know. You know, they're all, the the safety situation is wide open beyond Brandon Joseph step, yeah. probably stepping into there, definitely stepping into the starting lineup. Um, we have to, we, we, we'll report on it all. We have to watch all of it when we get an opportunity. So we'll report on all of it. I'm interested to see if any young corners can, can do something. Philip Riley, Ryan Barnes, I realize Jojo Johnson's probably not all that available. Um, can you just get a flash here or there from that group? Um, Cause Coming up real quick, that that recruiting group is going to have to make a move. So it, you know, you could throw 
Right. Well, I'd throw a chance. Ben, you know, chance yeah, Tucker was a guy that right. liked him in high school. He didn't make any impact last year. Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison is not mm-hmm. an early enrollee. Um, but you know, are there just uh, the back end of the defense? <laughs> uh, you made the safety point. How does, you know, does Brandon Joseph, does he look more like a Lohe Gilman when he was playing or does he look more like a Lohe Gilman that first year or first off season when we saw him or just like, this is this is the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it turned out to be the guy, but I, I'm interested to sort of see how Brandon Joseph slots in. Yeah, I think just quickly on Tucker, I think he's like the one guy we were right about, though, Tim, as much as you like him. You knew he had a year to get strong. Remember, yeah. you, we heard that like immediately yeah. that Tucker had a, had a full year in the lab first. Um, safety to me is because I, I assume they're going to feature four because um, you don't want – Ramon Henderson needs to be in the mix and DJ Brown's knowledge of the defense and setting things up is important. And I just don't think Griffith's coming back if they didn't ask him to come back and be a big part of it. Right. I mean, I know we, I have, you know, poke some fun at his expense with physicality and their film reviews, but he's got a thousand fifty snaps. He's going to be involved. Right. Isn't that a four person safety room that's playing every game? I would hate to see Henderson not playing is my point. I, I think no, I, I agree, and I think that that's the right that's the right way to approach it. I'm sure they will with Justin Walters, you know, being next on the list, I guess, as the fifth guy. But yeah, I, you know, I, I understand why they would, you would want Griffith back from a number standpoint, but you don't want it to impede the development of your other safeties. And I think it's important that Chris O'Leary and and the, uh, Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, make sure that that doesn't happen because you got some guys there. Uh, you know, Xavier Watts, we didn't, I mean, Xavier Watts has to be that. Actually, there's five. Yeah, he's there's, coming there's up. Jo- Joseph uh, Brown, Griffith, Henderson, and Watts. Uh, we do have another question on that. Why don't we go ahead and, and slip that in right now? And that is, do you think from Bill, Bill V6118, do you think there is any chance that Xavier Watts switches back to receiver? I, for the first time, I wrote about this today, too, in Monday Musings. I, I kind of do. Like those four guys and Justin Walters is a quality five, right? <laughs> and Xavier Watts can back up your starting slot receiver who tore his ACL in November. He has more up, op- and, and Merriweather's not here. And they have, they made Salerno a scholarship player. Like, I, I, I would at least broach the topic with Xavier Watts. Like, where do you want to compete? This is it. You know, we're going to see where you can compete and help this team most to play. That's, I get it. I, I, and I understand we've talked about it in the past, Tim, I'm with you. We like during the season, people asked it and we were, we were no, but does he want to be the fifth safety that has a special package role? Well, he shouldn't, if he stays a safety, he should not be the fifth safety. I agree. He should my, not be the fifth safety. You really think Griffith is going to be the fifth safety? I guy? just said that he shouldn't. I didn't say that he wouldn't be. I mean, we've, we've asked Xavier Watts and other players, and they're like, no, not moving back. He's not moving yeah. back. But we'll see. People change their minds all the time on this stuff. I mean, well, yeah. I, could override that it's not in his best interest for yeah. his career arc. It's just one way. The, the, the thing that you, I mean, generally speaking, the thing you want to avoid is you move a guy from a position where he can't make a mark. He excels at a new position and looks like he has yeah. a great future there. Then you're going to move him back to a position where he didn't excel. I know. I, it's a weird thing. It's just the first time that if you do it too deep, it's Colsey and Thomas, Styles and Lindsay, Avery Davis and Salerno with Merriweather not there yet. <laughs> like, 
there is such an opportunity for another guy, right? I, oh, like, Jim. now, if they get a wide receiver, if they get a wide receiver, my point is gone. <laughs> you can bring in a slot receiver or a guy that can move right. somebody else to slot. My point is gone. <laughs> I just think, you know, Watts is so, so much promise. Yes. I mean, just so much promise. It took us and, a while to just get a, to in the Yeah, and, a, and, a, and a, just a natural inclination to be physical on the back end of the defense. It, they, they were searching for that, and they found – something like that. And then, but I, I understand where you're coming from. The need with Griffith coming back, the, the need is greater at, at receiver. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, question from Statman 82. It appears Tommy Reese had two coordinator quality coaches on the offensive staff. Any sense how much, if any, they contributed to the offensive game planning. Should we be concerned? Those two sounding boards have moved on. Pete, what start start if you would please your perspective on McNulty and his involvement. Um, I overall, I think it's a compliment to what Notre Dame was running offensively last last season. Like the fact that you had two position coaches promoted to coordinator to Power Five schools, like that's that's a compliment to what Notre Dame is doing. Um, doesn't have a lot to do with what they're going to be moving forward. I, I McNulty and Reese were very close that I thought they had a great working relationship. Um, I think my perspective was Reese valued his opinion. Um, I wouldn't let, let me interject. I'm not yeah. saying that Reese didn't. I'm saying that McNulty, I mean, look at the opportunity he just got. I, I don't know how you can, you can't turn your back on that. It's, it's no, it's no, you know, it's great. It's a, it's a good place to go. Um, part of the country's familiar with and a good head coach to work for, but um yeah, I, I think that if you're like, what is this? What What's the takeaway here if you're a Notre Dame fan? It's like people think highly of what they're doing offensively for, for how much some people complain about Notre Dame's offense. Schematically and what they're running is held in high esteem in college football and I think pro football too. So that um, from a sounding board point of view, I think I'm going to have to concede O'Malley's earlier point that Harry Heastan is now, uh, now moved up in the sounding board pecking order. Um, and that, uh, you know, maybe he can fill the role that I felt like McNulty was going to fill moving forward, um, as more of like an, an old hand offensive coordinator, um, who sort of know how, knows how it all fits together. Yeah. It's, I mean, they just, they're getting younger and they're getting newer and yeah, maybe Brewster fills, maybe, Bre I mean, I'm sure Reese would maybe trust he stand more than Brewster off at first blush, but you get to know Brewster over six months and all of a sudden you value his opinion, right? It's not like... Like Tim Brewster can come in and Tommy Reese be like, oh yeah, I've always kind of wanted to work with this guy. And now I can really <laughs> throw some ideas <laughs> off of him. It's just not the way it's going to go, but you know, you build, you'll build trust in, in, in August camp and then going into that. So, Hey, teams, successful teams have a lot of turnover at coaching staff. This is just something that caught us all off guard because there was a kumbaya moment in mid December where Brian Kelly went out with his entire staff that joined him on the floor at the LSU basketball game. Yeah. By himself. And, you know, that was uh, – but now people have gone on to, to other spots. You, you figure – you certainly figure that when only one of the assistant coaches goes with Brian Kelly that – I mean, would have more full time. Back. Yeah, he would have more back. But, uh, I mean, that's – it's the nature of the business, man. You have opportunities and you take right. it. Taylor takes it. I'm sure – and I'm sure Taylor – you know, Taylor – Lance Taylor was co-offensive coordinator, but – did anybody ever bring that? Yeah, that was never no, rarely ever mentioned. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
he was a running game coordinator, just like Al Washington is going to be defensive run game coordinator, and no one's right. going to say Al Washington is the co-defensive coordinator. That's right, exactly. First year. No, exactly. Question Washington from Washington D. D. With what Riley Mills showed at strong side end in 2021, do you think he will permanently stay there moving forward? I, permanently, I mean, I think Riley Mills is the kind of guy that you can bump him inside in pass rush situations. So I think that's what they'll do. I, so permanently, yeah. Do I do I think that ultimately he is going to be a strong side defensive end? That seems to be the indication that we are getting. Uh, but you want to have the flexibility of moving him inside. I would like to think that Riley Mills as a strong side defensive end shows the same uh, burst and promise that Tagovailoa Mosa did when he moved from inside to outside. You're just freed up a little bit to be more of an athlete. I don't necessarily think that Mills is going to be that type of athlete that MTA showed he was, uh, but you want the flexibility with them. And, and uh, you, you, you want that, you want that power on the edge and you want that power at defensive tackle at times too. I, I think it's definitely worth exploring. I mean, he, to me, he would be the best strong side end that they would have, especially if you're, committed to a Fosky, Justin Adamalola as the Viper. Like initially I thought they would just move Justin Adamalola at a strong side end, but that seems to be not the case. So at that point I would much, if you said, Hey, you can put Riley Mills or Nana Safamensa out there. Like that's, that's not really a conversation that you have to spend much time on. Riley Mills is a superior athlete. And, you know, to Priester's point, no, I don't think Riley Mills is probably going to give you, um, uh, Marantong Vailoa Mosa production as a third year player compared to a fifth year player. But, you know, if you said who has got the higher upside long term, I would, I would go with Riley Mills. And I think if you look at personnel, you have still have enough guys inside you because you're figuring Jason Adamiola and Cross opposite Lacey and Kayanai. That's pretty good, right? To have a foursome in there and Riley Mills can play in there, which gives you a fifth. So on the outside, you have Foskey and Justin Adamiola, and Justin will play everywhere. That helps too. Um, plus Nana and Aaronsberger. It sounds better kicking Mills out, right? And it, it's not like he has to do it the whole time. Clearly, he has positional versatility, as, as Priester pointed out. Yeah, and just Adam Adamiola, really, pretty much up until last year, was a strong side defensive end. So as yeah. you say, I mean, he can he, he can oh. bounce between both. So you're kind of looking at you know, th three players for two spots, uh, at, 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 which they've done uh, in the past. So, you know, I, I, um, I think Riley Mills really need, they really need him to take a significant step up and maybe, maybe loosening himself up a little bit outside of the, the tackle box will, will help him with his pass rush. Shannon Thanks. Paris, how can Notre Dame compete for the national championship? when they are essentially not participating in the quote free agency that is going on as well as the NIL stuff other programs are doing. I, I guess I just disagree with the premise of the question. They are participating um, and they are involved in NIL stuff. So are, are they going to be like Texas A&M LSU levels of it? No, but I think that's okay. They're, they're, they're in the game. Um, they're a, they're a willing and active participant in this kind of stuff. Clearly need a couple more guys to come in this year, and it should be the norm every year, right? The, the offseason of McLeod, Skoranek, um, I'm missing one that was very obvious that came in along with them, the third guy that played well, and Spates was the fourth. So, But that type of offseason, got Cone, Cade, Madden, you could have used another one last year. That That's what yeah. 
That's Isaiah you, Pryor? Did you, I don't know if that's... Yeah, Isaiah, that Pryor, Isaiah Pryor was who I was missing. That's, that's the type of... You, you, you probably need to make that at least that, that splash every year. The four guys where you're like, three out of the four can start or help us out in a way you think they could start, eventually mm-hmm. make those... I, I think they do need that um, I mean, as the, the norm, really. It's just... The, Brandon Joseph is is a huge addition, a yeah. huge addition. So to say that they're not participating is, is a stretch. Here's what has been expected since Brian Kelly uh, left Notre Dame. Or, or I should say, like, even so let's say since the bowl game. The, the staff has been out recruiting all over the country. They've had to hire assistant coaches, and they continue to have to hire assistant coaches. They have to be involved in the portal. They have to be involved in NIL. They have to deal with the roster management because a large cross-section of this team decided to return, which limits some of the spots that you have for 85 scholarship players. Um, So there's not as many spots to fill. So, I mean, they have had an incredible amount on their plate, Marcus Freeman in particular, and you can only deal with it one step at a time. You can't solve all of them all at once. By the way, I want to remind people, a lot of people have been asking us about NIL and, you know, what's this mean to Notre Dame? Um, it's been difficult scheduling an interview with Jack Swarbrick, but Irish Illustrated has one scheduled for uh, 18 days from today, February 17th. <laughs> that was the earliest that we could get together with him. So we will, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to answer um, most of my focus will be on NIL and where they're going forward with that. So we can answer that question better, but there has been an incredible amount on the plates of, of, of Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese and the entire staff, the, even the, the, the grad assistants and the analysts have been more involved. Um, so one at a time, they're trying to get them done all at once. And it's, it, it hasn't been easy. Brandon Joseph of offense would be very important to bring in in the next six months, though. Uh, how about a receiver? That's the movie. <laughs> P- how about PKL a receiver? 19, PKL 1982, what are you hearing about Freeman's chances of landing? Dante Moore. Uh, you know, Reese visited twice. Freeman visited once. It will be a knockdown drag out recruitment. If Jim Harbaugh left Michigan, that would be beneficial. That would help. Um, so that that's what I'm hearing is like what's going on with the Minnesota Vikings head coaching search. But... but <laughs> I know talking to people at Notre Dame, they feel like Dante Moore is a good fit for Notre Dame. Um, and he's been here. Uh, I don't know how many visits he's taken to Notre Dame, but it's been multiple. Um, so they, they feel like they're in it. It's just early. Yeah, with, with connections to Carnell Tate, it, it, it sounds like. But, yeah, it, it is early. There's some other big-name quarterbacks out there. This is a must. It's a, you know, I want to say it's a must hit for Tommy Reese, but I feel like every time I say that, um, that we're forgetting about the landing of Tyler Butner, who just completed his freshman season. So no, it's a must um, hit. No, it, no, Ty- I agree. With no, I, Tyler Buckner. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it's not like he hasn't recruited anybody. I realize that the other names haven't blown people away. But let's let's give Tyler Buckner an opportunity to to win this job uh, starting in the spring and see what he's capable of doing. But Dante Moore is hugely important. And I remember the first time I watched his film and it blew me away. I I thought he was fantastic. The whole Michigan thing is really, really significant. Uh, You mentioned Minnesota Vikings. Are are the Dolphins still? I think the Dolphins are still uh, perhaps in competition there with Jim Harbaugh as well. So there's some Michigan situation with their head coach um, is a much 
quote, worse situation than what Notre Dame is dealing with, with, uh, you know, not having a defensive coordinator and a couple, couple position coaches. Let's add this, Tim. If Tyler Buckner does not win this job outright in the spring, Dante Moore becomes a triple must hit. Yep. Yep. I think that that better happen. Yeah. I think Tyler Buckner will, uh, but you know, I mean, you have a competition in spring. How do you, how do you determine I mean, you can scrimmage and you can do all this, but how do you really determine that you found your starting quarterback in the spring? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that quote competition will continue into the fall, but I would expect Buckner to ultimately win that uh, question from Hartman six. Do you see a mass exodus in the 2023 class taking place? A lot of Notre Dame's commits are now being offered by Alabama, LSU, Oregon, et cetera. Notre Dame rarely has won those battles in the past. I will, mass exodus is a little strong, um, but like Drake Bowen and Brendan Vernon were at Notre Dame last weekend on visits. Um, Peyton Bowen has visited Oklahoma. I'm going to be writing on him this week. Talked to his mom, talked to him, talked to a couple of his coaches. Not not a flighty kid in, at all. Um, so I would feel that's a, a recruitment Notre Dame can still win. Keon Keeley. Probably in a different category, though, uh, after visiting Alabama. And I think he's he is and his coaching staff is uh, sort of intimated that okay, he's he's a young kid. Um, impressionable. So that that may be the most difficult of those four to hang on to. He's a, this is, he's in the must get category, right? Because that well, means he ends up them. in Alabama and Georgia. And then they win another national title because they get three key on Keeley's and Notre Dame needs the one like. <laughs> That, right. That's why it's a, that is why it's a must get though, because you can't keep giving them three and getting them. Right. It's like Robert Beal from a few years ago. Like he was a he was basically uh Georgia's Nana Safa Mensa last year. Like he played a little bit. He was he contributed, but he was not like a lead guy at Notre Dame. He's he's a lead guy. Yeah, I, I mass exodus is too strong of a term, but you you wanted you wanted them to to be able to recruit and land four and five star players, so that's what they're doing. Well, when you land, when you get a verbal commitment from four or five star player, the Alabamas and the LSU's and and the Georgias are going to they're going to offer. So this is the flip side then of of being able to recruit and you know, land some guys that are, that uh, everybody in the country wants. I mean, not that this, not that recruits really care about this when they're as good as Keeley, but there's a mass exodus of Notre Dame's defensive ends after this season. So come on in. Yeah. Start in the second half of your first season because they're losing every, I mean, they're losing the Adamiolas, they're losing Foskey, Mills will be gone the next year. That's, those are the most talented players on the defensive front and they'll all be gone in two years, in one year. With that, I take us to CMU Penn's fan and some sadness. With Jerome Bettis coming back to campus to finish his degree, is he the best overall player to put the Notre Dame uniform on since 1990? I had a chance to catch up with Jerome Bettis last week, and and uh, it was really fun uh, because he is still he, he's he's very engaging. Uh, he's very expressive. He he always was. We laughed about the trouble that he got in with Lou Holtz for posing for uh, uh, our. our yeah. magazine cover shot back in 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 92 um which he was once again very patient through the whole process of putting a uniform on him and spritzing him with water to make look you know eye black and stuff and um he was great but um 
you know, there's some, there's, there are several Hall of Famers from Notre Dame since Jerome Bettis. I mean, the answer to the question is, yeah, he probably is, he probably is the best, but Quentin Nelson's going to go in the Hall of Fame and Zach Martin's going to go in the Hall of Fame and Harrison right, Smith yeah. is going to go in the Hall of Fame and Justin Tuck is probably going to go in the Hall of Fame and Bryant Young. So there have been some, there have been some great players over the course of 30 plus years. And Ricky but, Waters would have, if he, and I'm not, I'm not making a joke about this. Ricky Waters was a year away from going to the Hall of Fame before retiring a year early, and he would be in the Hall of Fame if he stayed with the 49ers. <laughs> he, oh, easily. Like, it's no, never I should know, I know. left a, a, a Hall of Fame. So you're the third best player on the 49ers for four more years. You were an unstoppable yeah. player at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I, – I mean, this is all very subjective, but Jerome Bettis was – was, He's up there because I mean, think about it. Now his Super Bowl, you know, he wasn't the best player on the team anymore. But man, he's a clear Hall of Famer. Like Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson are clear Hall of Famers. It's just you're, it's hard to be as famous, I guess, is enough. Quentin Nelson's getting pretty famous. Zach Martin's nowhere near as famous as Quentin Nelson. It's ridiculous because he's a seven-time All Pro yeah. in seven years or six six-time All Pro in seven years. Tuck is famous because his best games are pretty memorable. Yeah, I, you know, there's Aaron Taylor too. I, I you know, I, I mean, how do you, college Hall of Famer Aaron Taylor? Co- not, not, not on the NFL level. Those correct, guys, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to go with Bettis, right? Like top ten yeah, picks, no, I, I NFL agree. Hall of Famer. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even mention Ronnie Stanley. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know quite what. Yeah, because if you say going to end up like, but, Brian, like Brian, like Brian Young, like. Brian Young's not, he's automatic Hall of Famer if you know football, but not the way Jerome Bettis is. If you just if you just ask right. football fans, Jerome Bettis Hall of Fame. That's not even a, that's not even a, you don't yeah. you don't even pause as opposed to some other. Well, thir- thirteen years, almost fourteen thousand yards, eight one thousand yard seasons, ninety one yeah. touchdowns, and it was you know I mean it was great that he he got his Super Bowl ring um, at the end of his career, and it almost. Oh. He fumbled. He, fumbled. <laughs> he had a critical. He had a critical, really critical fumble in that game. But um, that's not going to be. That's not going to be remembered a whole lot. But it was great catching up with them. And and uh, for Irish Illustrated subscribers, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna sit down with him. Uh, in a probably in a couple months at the end of the spring, once he's had a chance to start working his way through his last semester at Notre Dame and recap his time in Notre Dame and recap his NFL career. He's been kind enough to, uh, he was kind enough to, he took my call immediately and was kind enough to uh, agree to that. You know, we would, we would sit down and, and get something more lengthy in a, in a couple months. And um, if people listening would like to look this one up, I, it was an Indianapolis news station that did a special on Bettis and traveled up here in the remember last week, we had the coldest day in the history of history. It was just, the, yeah. it was freezing cold in yeah. South Bend. And the, uh, the sports cat or the newscaster, cause I don't think she's a, she's a huge sports fan. It's like, why didn't you just come back in the fall? It was such a great point. He's like, yeah, I, I probably could have like fall semester, Jerome Bettis, going to football games, having fun, visiting practice, getting his degree. But no, he was here. And it's, yeah. it's almost like being a freshman in the cold again. Could I insert something? Because I'm not sure who's serious or who's just trying to make a joke, but Jerome Bettis coming back to be the running backs coach. I actually didn't think anything of that when I put the headline out there. And some people thought he's coming back. Well, he's going to be the running backs coach. He has a 16 year old daughter and a 14 year old son, Jerome Bettis Jr. I said, nice, Jerome. 
hanging your son with the name Jerome Bettis Jr. Nothing to live up to there. <laughs> but, like what? I love Jerome Bettis and he would be the worst recruiter in the world because why would he bother? So <laughs> that, no, that, that, that is my point. He is not going to be the front backs coach in Notre Dame. He's a Hall of Famer and he continues to, he's extremely successful with his businesses and his commercial adventures and he's not interested. I didn't ask him this directly, but I think I can confidently say that Jerome Bettis is not the least bit interested in getting into coaching at this stage of his life. He turns 50. Uh, yeah. Next one. He turns 50 in the middle of February. So no, that won't be happening. All right. We're going to wrap up with a couple of basketball questions. I'll put them together. According to gauge, do you truly believe Nordame can continue to uh, this run and make the dance by sticking with a seven man rotation. And from uh, w. Oosterhoff, does Mike Bray get another year if he gets in the NCAA tournament? What would a Duke win mean for this team and program? For those that don't know, Notre Dame versus Duke tonight at 7 o'clock at Purcell Pavilion. There's a couple things here, but they can easily stick to the seven-man rotation and make the tournament because he's done that for almost every tournament he's ever made, a seven-and-a-half-man rotation. The difference is how far do you go, of course. So, I mean, I, they're <laughs> not going to play an eighth man. No, not at this stage. They're not going to play one. And he's done it before. He's usually put an eighth man in on occasion. Like, never would it matter, but you could find a person that could play there. The rest of it is, like, Mike Bray's going to get another year if they miss the tournament this year. How do you feel about that, guys? I, I agree that that will happen. That's what will happen. I do think at this stage that finally, after predicting for three years that they're going to make the NCAA tournament, I think, I think they got a pretty good shot here. But the seven-man rotation – is probably going to catch up to them in the short term because they have this game inserted, the makeup game with Duke. You have to go to Miami on February 2nd. You have to go to NC State over the weekend. And then two more games. They're going to, they, what, what was it? What's the schedule, Tim? Like eight games in how many days? Or Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But I want to point out this, this one off particular Duke game might really hurt them on the road this week. But they were going to lose to Duke on January 1st, the way Notre Dame was playing in front of no students and in front of no fans three hours after Notre Dame lost the Fiesta Bowl <laughs> by 18 points at minimum. So yeah. this gives them a chance to beat Duke. They would have gotten absolutely boat raced in that game. So this, you know, it's not ideal, but it helps. It does, I mean, it's because if you lose tonight, then it's like, oh, you may, you may end up having lost three in a row all of a sudden going to Miami, to NC State. Um but if you can get it tonight, I feel like on Saturday they, they, they became a an interesting story in, in college basketball, not like on they this podcast. Drop that one. They could not drop Yeah, they're just like, no, they like all right, Notre Dame, like nationally, let's start paying attention to Notre Dame basketball. If they get it tonight, then it's like you're locked in for quite a while, even if you lost to Miami and lost to NC State. It'd be like, our Notre Dame basketball, it's a team worth following. Yeah, I think you need you need two of these three. So, and it's probably not Duke and Miami. It, it, no. it has to be one of those two. And then at NC State, although they just, they just beat NC State at home. Uh, this is a real, this is, it's still a real critical time here. If you lose two or three, you're down to uh, eight and four in the conference. And now you're starting to work your way back to the pack, which in that this is conference. Almost 1.5, Tim. Oh, I, no, well, no, you're, you're right. You're right. It's a big, this would be huge. It is. They would be Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. No, it, it is. But, it you, but you'd still, if, if, it, if, if a loss at Miami, a loss at NC State follows, then you, then you feel like, okay, 
they had this, I know what you're saying, 1.5, and I and I agree. I mean, I think it does, but it is it's a conference where you cannot afford to slide back out of the top four or five. No. And if you if you fall to eight and four, now you're starting to head in that direction. I'm not sure what Wake Forest did, but it is just not well, they're gonna lose that wake, guys. They're gonna lose at wake. Yeah, yeah. If you, you, watch, if you watch Wake, the matchups at Wake Forest are absolutely terrible for Notre Dame. And actually, there's a pretty good conversation going on during the Virginia game. Like, <laughs> if they beat Duke, there is a boat race coming at some point on the road for Notre Dame's basketball team because they're going to be tired. And it might not be Miami; it might be the next yeah. one, like the NC State, where NC State has three guys. <laughs> Or whenever they want, they're just a terrible basketball team that plays no defense and hasn't passed the ball. <laughs> Every once in a while, those three guys get hot and you just lose 80 to 60. You know, it's just, it can just go badly. And I would love to see Notre Dame get Duke, keep a, like a home court identity where they could go undefeated at home this year. I, I think it would really help the program and, and their chances. Yeah. And, and so we talked about these next three games. And after that is Louisville at home. Obviously, Louisville's in a bad way right now. You got to go to Clemson. Now you've just beaten these two teams recently. And then you have Boston College at home and you certainly owe them. So you can make up some ground the following week, but tonight will be huge. Uh, it's so huge that O'Malley and I are both going to the game. Two credentials for you guys. <laughs> Unheard of. We, we, I'm we, sneaking we, in. It's like the old days, UCLA. I got to sneak in the game. No, we, I mean, that might be we, coming later. <laughs> we've got, we, both of us have gone, gone together in the past, of course, but uh, we've been trying to split up we're, a little bit with we're front runners, but we're like front running fans. Both of us went to Kentucky, North Carolina and Duke this year. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be accused as the front runner tonight. Cause I, I, you yeah. have covered the last couple home games. So I'm sure there's a comment to be made. Oh, now you show up mm. when Duke comes to town. That's why I'm afraid to even try to go. Cause yeah, yeah, this, big you, you Al would just roast me. Well, show up for B, show up for BC. BC you now, show, Pete, no yeah. what, yeah. I'm here to cover the BC Notre Dame game. Here we are. <laughs> Okay, that's it for today's uh, Irish Illustrated Insider. As always, we are very thankful that you've joined us. Uh, and we will be back uh, on Monday to talk more Notre Dame football coaching searches. And maybe even, a, maybe you know, I'm sure more gra- uh, transfer portal and uh, grad transfer and transfer talk as we continue to move forward. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.